According to a report by Acumen Research and Consulting, the global electric vehicle market is expected to grow by an annual compound rate of 23.2% between 2021 and 2028, and it's expected to reach a valuation of 810.5 billion US dollars. The Asia-Pacific region will dominate the electric vehicle market, with China standing out as one of the most successful, accounting for more than half of the world's electric car market in 2019, with nearly 1.2 million electric vehicles sold. Looking to the West, Europe commands a sizable market share in the electric vehicle market, with the number of new electric car registrations doubling to 1.4 million. Germany has registered 395,000 new electric cars in large markets, while France has registered 185,000. In Norway, electric cars have reached a record high sales share of 75%. Furthermore, sales of electric vehicles have exceeded 50% in Iceland, 30% in Sweden, and 25% in the Netherlands. To bring those figures home, according to a 2021 publication by the South Africa Minister of Transport, there are about 4,827 hybrid electric vehicles and just under 1,000 battery electric vehicles on South African roads. With the likes of Audi, Volvo and Mercedes-Benz set to launch their full electric cars here in 2022, is South Africa ready for the EV wave? In this episode, we'll be chatting with Audi South Africa to help us understand what the EV market holds for the country. We'll be looking at the challenges and hurdles they've faced and overcome in the past and present, as well as future challenges and the products that they will be introducing to the South African market. Sasha, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on the Beyond Auto podcast and welcome. Yeah, thank you very much, Papi. Uh, it's my pleasure. Uh, thanks for having me on your on your show. No, definitely. I mean, I've been yearning to have this session. I think ever since Audi, you know, gave us a little, little sneak peek of the e-tron back in 2019, was it? Was it the SA Festival of Motoring? I was like, geez, when Candice land in the country? And about a month ago, um, you guys announced that finally the Etron Range will be making its way to South Africa in 2022. That's Q1 next year. Um, Sasha, can you tell us a little bit about the background of Etron and why deciding it to launch it in South Africa now? Well, yeah, very much so. Um, I think what you're referring to was the first initial uh, sneak peek preview during the Festival of Motoring back in 2019. And that has been a little bit of a while since then. But um, as we say, perfection needs time. And we were really uh, engaged ever since. And it was always part of our overall strategy for the market. But we also wanted to come into the market in a committed and in a structured approach. Uh, And we were uh, very committed as a team, uh, which comprises uh, of the team here in South Africa, but also the team back in uh, Germany, to do it right when we come in. And we did not want to just launch another car, uh, which just so happens to be an electric car. We wanted to come in in a different way. And we wanted to make clear right from the beginning that the brand is very committed and uh, to yeah, deliver a real statement when we come in, because we really believe in the future of electric mobility. 
And we are quite optimistic about the future and the outlook even here in South Africa. No, definitely. That that actually brings me to my to my next point. I was going to ask whether you are optimistic at all about the future of electric vehicles. But hindsight, do you envision a future where I want to say all of the Audi vehicles on South African roads are fully electric? Well, very much so. To this is the short answer to your question, probably. But let me elaborate a little bit more on it. Um, basically, I'm obviously a petrol head. Yeah, and I'm with yeah. the company for almost 25 years, and I love everything which makes big noises and which stinks, basically, you can say. <laughs> but, however, yes. having driven my first electric car ever a couple of years back, I was blown away by the performance of that vehicle. I was yeah. uh, blown away by the maturity in terms of the technology. And I can tell you honestly, uh, I, I strongly believe, and I'm, I'm absolutely convinced of that, that it uh, no, doesn't mean any sacrifices as a, to, towards a customer, let's say, uh, if, you, if you buy into that technology. Even today, it's already highly developed and it's a, a, a wonderful technology. So I'm personally convinced that the future is going to be electric for various reasons. And uh, I'm very optimistic about the outlook. Um, we all know that there are obstacles on the way to develop that technology and the transformation and the adoption of um, this new technology in a country and in, in, in an environment like South Africa. But we think that none of the problems which are quoted many times are insurmountable. I think they can be addressed and they need to be managed in a certain way. And given that, I think we can be very successful as an industry in developing the EV business and uh, transforming the industry, future-proving the industry, also here in South Africa. There's no reason why that should not be possible in South Africa. Definitely. And to, to your words about, you know, it's a work in progress, it's forever evolving. You know, um, some manufacturers that are your competitors, of course, are playing the field, have opted to introduce the likes of hybrids and then plug-in hybrids, all the sorts uh, we've seen. Um, and you guys just decided, you know what, we're going to launch a full EV range and that's it. And then we'll see where the future takes us. Was it a strategy that you did on purpose or did you consider some elements that, that you know, you shied you away from introducing more, a bit of both in terms of plug-in hybrids and hybrids? Yeah, that's a very good question, actually, Papi, and I'm, I'm happy that, you, that you're bringing it up. Uh, and I would lie if I, if I said that we did not ever consider bringing in uh, plug-in hybrids. Of course we did. And actually, that is also a reason why it took us a while now, since the uh, first appearance of the e-tron uh, during the uh, Festival of Motoring back in 2019, mm -hmm. to decide on our strategy. We had to confirm also with uh, our uh, parent company back in Germany the the global product portfolio and the product portfolio available for the South African market. And while discussing the benefits of different technologies and also the lead times to making them available in the market, and given the current circumstances in the market, talking about, for example, the fuel quality, uh, which is available broadly in the country, we mm -hmm. decided and opted definitely for kind of leapfrogging the technology here uh, and uh, not considering uh, plug-in hybrids uh, as part of our strategy. I know it's not off the table for many manufacturers, but for us, definitely, we thought that the right approach would be 
to uh, ignore kind of plug-in hybrids and jump right away, leapfrog right away into the future of premium mobility. And for us, that that future definitely is electric. Um, I must elaborate probably a little bit why uh, the plug-in hybrids for us posed a challenge. It just yes, indicated please. that... Um, that the fuel quality in the country is a, a bit of a challenge. Uh, in, in this regard, there are things like the water content in the fuel, there is sulfur in the fuel, which all pose a challenge to modern uh, EU6 emission standards uh, engines. And uh, mostly our plug-in hybrid technology, uh, which, we, which we are going to import from, from Europe, uh, are coupled to yeah, high-tech EU6 emission standard engines and that fuel quality in combination with that engine does not work in an environment like South Africa. So that was also a reason for us to say, well, if that's going to take us a long time to adapt either in the market, the fuel quality or to get our people back in Germany to adapt the technology and to get approval for that, we definitely opted for the other uh, alternative to say, well, if plug-in hybrids are only a step in between now and tomorrow, then why not skip it and jump right away into the electric future? And that's basically what we did. It took us a while, yeah, but we did it right, I think, and we took our time and to do it professionally. So hence, here we are, and we believe in electric cars. Sasha, this might seem like a little bit of an ignorant question, but I do have to ask, why is electric the future? Why are we not just, you know, either continuing with ICE vehicles or looking at hybrids as the future or maybe some other alternative as the future? Yeah, thank you very much, Brandon, for that question. Um, that's probably a very, um, let's say, global question. And it's probably also a, uh, uh, um, how shall I say, it's a uh, society question, right? Uh, we, we see what's happening around us uh, with climate changes, with uh, flooding back in Germany. We had a huge flooding uh, in, in the summer. We've got uh, uh, bushfires all across Italy and Greece uh, over, the, over the past weeks and months, huge bushfires in, 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 in uh, America. Heat waves in Canada were reported. And I think this is a clear sign of the, the global climate change. So there is that, let's say, that society issue and the sustainable issue, which we need to address as a, as a global manufacturer and which we need to take responsibility for. We cannot ignore the fact that uh, the, 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 the climate is suffering and our ecosystem is suffering from what we are doing as humans. So we feel that responsibility and certainly uh, one way to address it are uh, electric cars. It is a given that they emit less of um, CO2 uh, locally, especially. So we need to think uh, how we can um, evolve on that journey to, to become more, um, let's say, uh, sustainable going forward. And one way, I'm not saying it's the only way, but certainly one way in our business is the move towards electric mobility. Okay. I mean, I find that fascinating, but you know, I think it leads to more questions. One of which is, why is the time now? You know, why is now the right time to go ahead and make this move? Because South Africa has a very unique case. Obviously, has very unique challenges and sort of barriers to entry. I'm assuming, obviously, those would have been factored in with the decision uh, that Audi has made to bring electric vehicles to the country. 
Yeah, you're right. There, are, I think there are a couple of reasons why we believe that uh, now is probably the right time for us. As indicated earlier, I think firstly, uh, we took our time to prepare ourselves properly as a company and as an organization, which also involves our dealers, of course, and the dealer staff, which need to be trained on completely new technology, which need to be knowledgeable, which need to be educated to work on uh, the new technology in a workshop, but also to sell and to explain that new technology and what it can do um, to the customer. Um, but it also is a global decision of Audi, of course, that uh, from 2026 onwards, any new car launch is going to be an all-electric uh, launch only. So any car which is going to be launched on the global market from 2026 onwards is going to be all-electric only. Um, and in the interim, until 20, around 2033, we're going to see uh, slowly but surely the internal combustion engines phasing out. And by 2023 onwards, we will only see electric cars on the global market from uh, Audi. And that's a clear commitment from the Audi uh, parent company, from Audi HE and Ingolstadt. Um, so we think that the time is right from that perspective in order to prepare us and the market for that, because we know that the adoption time takes time. It's not going to be a rapid uh, adoption overnight. So we feel we rather take a generic and very organic uh, um, uh, growth in the market and try to follow a, uh, let's say, an organic growth pattern rather than trying to uh, develop things overnight or being pushed and forced to develop things overnight. So uh, lastly, we are helped by the product portfolio, which I indicated earlier, because we were spending time with Germany to confirm the product portfolio in the long run for uh, Audi South Africa and for the South African market. We did not just want to launch some cars and then step away and step out of that business again. So we were ensuring over the past couple of months in our discussions and negotiations back with Germany that we can provide a long-term product portfolio, which is going to evolve and expand in width and in depth uh, over the next coming years here in South Africa on our journey on the way to 2026 and thereafter. So I think there's another interesting uh, aspect possibly, uh, which you might, might, might want to consider, which is in 2019, when we yeah, previewed and premiered the e-tron during the uh, Festival of Motoring, there were around 100 charge points in the country. Now, two years later only, I must say, these charge points have risen to something above 300 across the country. So it's an exponential growth. And you see that there's a lot of things happening in the country in terms of public charging and uh, charging network. So would I think that 2019 would have been the right time? Probably not so much. I think that would have been a little bit too early to really launch the car back in the day. And we would have probably had too many complaints and too many frustrated customers finding out that there was not a sufficient charging network yet. But only two years later, that picture has completely and quite dramatically changed in my mind. And as we speak, uh, there are a lot of companies uh, who add further charging infrastructure uh, across the country. So that's another aspect why I think it's probably a, a very good timing now to launch in a bold and, and very committed way a portfolio of EV cars into the market. 
I mean, I find that fascinating because obviously infrastructure and you know charging points, as you mentioned, are some of the key things. What are some of the other challenges with infrastructure that need to be overcome in order to make this, you know, the electric mobility movement become more uh, widespread, more successful? Well, I think um, uh, firstly, it is uh, certainly um, all about the education of customers. There are lots of misconceptions and, and uh, misconceptions and myths around uh, charging, charging infrastructure. People have range anxieties uh, for not really a good reason, as per my understanding, because you will never uh, left uh, stranded somewhere. Uh, you know, surprisingly, without electricity. So as you watch your your, your fuel level in the car in a normal ice uh, combustion engine car, you would also probably track and monitor your electricity level in the car and your battery charge in the car. So um, I think it, the main problem is not so much the charging infrastructure, but it's more educating the people and uh, um, explaining well the technology, the possibilities, um, and not so much about the charging infrastructure because this is gonna this is gonna develop further. It has developed rapidly, and uh, the, the the experience tells us that it can be quite rapid. But um, I think it's more it has more to do with educating the people in the right way and debunking myths and working against misconceptions, which there are many of, of uh, around the EV subject. And then just just to expand a bit more on the charging, but I'm very much curious to to know whether when it comes to charging the e-trons when they launch, are you going to be looking at is it going to be a partnership between other OEMs where you share charging points, or are you going a different route where you're introducing your own network and such forth? Yeah, when when we are going to launch the car, we are making sure first of all that all our dealers are equipped with uh, DC fifty kilowatt chargers, which are very powerful chargers. Uh, mm -hmm. All of the ten dealers which we have uh, elected for uh, a first market introduction will have a DC fifty charger along with a twenty two kilowatt AC charger. So that charge point could charge two to three cars in parallel at any given time. Um, so that's our commitment into that technology and the commitment of our dealer partners. Um, we will also be partnering with Critcars, which is a major uh, provider of uh, uh, public charging infrastructure in the, in the country and across the country at the moment, and probably the leading force here. So all of our customers who uh, opt to buy an EV cars, an EV car, will be able to to charge the car all across the charging network of crit cars. And they come with universal uh, plugs, so they can be they can be uh, charged anywhere uh, on these charge points, maybe in a shopping mall, maybe along major routes, national routes, uh, or maybe at our, as indicated earlier, at our dealers. So this is what, what's going to happen. Uh, we are also in discussions at the moment, uh, I can say, about probably setting up a couple of super-fast chargers across the country. Um, when I say super-fast chargers, we're talking about uh, 100 kilowatt charging power and above, which theoretically could charge a car uh, within or top up a car, depending on the battery level, uh, within a couple of minutes to half an hour, something like that. This is what we are currently discussing and uh, checking with, whether this could be feasible and whether this is 
a route forward for for the brand. No exciting stuff. And, I, and I'm, I'm just going to recall a recent um, poll that was done by um, one of the magazines where they asked people, like, one is, what is one of the pain points they think they, they, they could encounter with EVs? And I think people voted mostly for, um, it was about load shedding rather, more than anything else. I mean, the price factor was not considered in the poll. It, it was very low votes for that. But people were worried about load shedding. Is this something that you as a brand considered in your planning? Is it something that won't affect, you know, the day-to-day running of an EV at all? Yeah, Papi, I, I must smile a little bit, uh, to be honest, when you ask this question. And uh, I can fully <laughs> understand the background of the question. And actually, uh, when we had first very serious uh, discussions uh, some time back uh, among the team members here, and, you know, the first reaction almost of everyone was, yeah, but how about load shedding, you know? And I can I can fully understand that reaction and that question relating uh, to load shedding. Uh, however, I think uh, what is also very clear to me is that South Africans have learned, uh, meanwhile, to uh, manage their lives around load shedding, right? Um, South Africans are, generally speaking, very resilient people. And yeah. when I came to South Africa, I had to learn that there's always the saying, we have to make a plan and we will make a plan. So I strongly believe in this kind of attitude. And once again, I think, you know, I have learned myself, as have the South Africans learned, meanwhile, uh, to work around uh, the load shedding. There are load load shedding schedules available. You've got your app on your phone. You know what's coming. And still you are able to keep your PC powered. You keep your tablet computer uh, charged. You keep your uh, iPhone or or smartphone charged despite uh, load shedding. Uh, however, I also think that uh, specifically customers in our segment and the premium market, uh, many of them have already invested in uh, technologies like a backup generator, batteries, or even solar power. So if you drive through uh, Johannesburg or Pretoria area, you will see lots of houses already with solar panels on the roof. And I think those customers would probably not be so worried about load shedding anymore as they are as they have become independent already in many instances and are far more relaxed about that um, than probably they would have been two or three years back Mm -hmm. so i think again it's about a little bit about education and putting things into a perspective uh, and not dramatizing things too much Uh, of course uh, if I had a wish, I would also wish myself that we 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 uh, had a stable power supply and no load shedding. That goes without saying. But I think it's not an insurmountable uh, uh, problem for selling EV cars and 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 using EV cars in the country. And on that, I must actually like command you guys for. Um you know, for, for, for the range that you're going to launch. It's quite a, an extensive range. I mean, Sasha, we're looking at about six plus vehicles that you, you're introducing in the, in the next year that's fully electric. Um, are you going to be looking at introducing more? Is this more to the six? Can we look out to more variants, smaller cars? Who knows what the future brings? But I just had to ask, really, is there more to look out for rather than the, the six that was um, announced? Yeah, I I think that's a very interesting question, and I'm I'm sure uh, everyone is curious about that. Uh, what I can say at that point in time is, uh, as indicated earlier, we were quite busy discussing with Germany, with our head offices back in Ingolstadt, 
the, the product portfolio available on the global market as well as for South Africa. And what I can tell you is that we're going to lean as much as possible and as close as possible with our product offering here in South Africa towards the offering on the, pro on the, on the global market. Uh, so that means uh, that even going forward from 2022 onwards, we will see many more EV cars entering the market. And if we consider that by 2026, the last combustion engine is going to be, um, uh, let's say, uh, launched to the global markets, we will have to prepare. And there's no way around that for a brand like Audi in South Africa, and we stay committed to that market, then we have to also prepare ourselves and by launching more and more and a full-fledged product portfolio into the market. So we will have a product offering which is going to cover uh, our premium customers across the different segments and the diff different body styles, uh, for, ranging from SUV body styles to uh, super performance cars uh, to uh, regular cars, which, will, yeah, the technology is going to trickle down a little bit, I'd, I'd like to say, uh, through the different segments and become more affordable also as we go along. So we really want to um, uh, establish and, and use that possibility um, now to... E to establish an e-tron brand and to e the e-tron name badge going forward because this is going to be quite important for us in the future. So that's really our initial phase now. And uh, as indicated earlier, we want to make it in a, in a, yeah, we want to deliver it in a bold and committed statement. We don't want to give anyone a reason to believe that we're not serious about what we're doing. You mentioned, uh, Sasha, you mentioned, you know, uh, technology trickling down and obviously affordability. Um, in terms of that, are you able to talk at all about what sort of price points we might be looking at for these electric vehicles? Are we going to see a huge disparity in terms of costing between ICE vehicles and electric vehicles or are they going to be roughly on par? Well, at the beginning, Brendan, to be uh, straight uh, and honest with you, uh, there will be a, a price difference, as, as, you want, as, as everyone will probably um, uh, understand, because the technology still is uh, way more expensive in the early days than a, an ice combustion engine, uh, which we have been producing as an industry for more than 100 years and perfected, perfected that uh, the technology, so to speak. Uh, but I can also ensure you that there are already initiatives underway on OEM level to really bring down the costs in the next generations and with the next models uh, to also improve, of course, the profitability of the company back in Germany because uh, they are not earning the same margins on an, ICE, uh, on an EV car as opposed to an ICE engine car either. Mm. So as we start into this journey, definitely the price will be uh, a little bit higher over and above a comparable ICE engine car. But as you pointed out as well, it's going to trickle down over the, over the, the years and uh, it, be, it will become more affordable and it will also reach into segments which are smaller by, by, by uh, car size and more affordable by price. Um, I cannot yet disclose any precise price uh, because that's going to be communicated later together with the precise specification of the car and also with the precise timing of the launch. Okay. Um, 
In terms of electric vehicles, though, I think one of the questions, as you mentioned, people always have is the question of range. And I think that leads to the thoughts of, you know, what is the performance going to be like of an electric vehicle versus a traditional, you know, ice combustion engine? I'm assuming, you know, Audi obviously known for its performance, that electric or ice, you know, either way, you're still going to get outstanding performance uh, from these vehicles. Yeah, I, I can definitely confirm that, Brandon. Uh, uh, as as uh, I mentioned at the beginning of this uh, interview, um, I had the pleasure to drive uh, the e-tron a couple of years back, and I was really blown away by the performance of that car. Yeah? And being a real petrol head, yeah, uh, that didn't come naturally to me, I must say. Yeah? I, I was really skeptical when I when I uh, approached the car the first time, but it took <laughs> half an hour, and I think I was really I was getting really excited. And I hope you. You, you, both of you will have a possibility to drive the car soon uh, and you let me know what you think after driving the car and experience the car for yourself. But yeah, to answer your question more specifically, um, of course, the range you will get out of a car is always dependent on your driving behavior and your driving style. I think that goes without saying and that will be understood by everyone who's driving a car. Uh, but that is valid for a, a petrol-powered uh, uh, car as well as for an EV car. Um, according to the test cycles, the official test cycles, the range we are bringing in is tested with something between 340 and up to 470 kilometers of range. That will, of course, depend on the driving conditions, the environment, and your driving behavior. Um, but I've, I expect still a reasonable uh, range. And if I, let's say, just for the sake of argument, assume a range of 350 to 400 kilometers, and we know that daily commuting of most people uh, would not exceed 50 kilometers. It is also clear that you don't have to charge a car constantly and that you don't have to be worried once you leave your garage in the morning uh, whether you're going to make it to work or not. Yeah, I think these are the misconceptions and a little bit the myths around EV cars. Um, in, in, in fact, it would mean that you could charge the car once a week. Yeah, If you were not to top up the car each, each night um, at home, so we know from other markets like Norway is a big EV market. I'm sure you're well aware of that. Or from Germany and other markets who have begun to adopt to EV technology, something between 80 to 85% of the charging happens at home. So it's just a top-up charging. As we charge our, our phones or computers or the iPad, once we come home, we just plug them in. And when we leave the, the, the next morning, they are charged, fully charged. And we're not necessarily plugging uh, the devices in always completely at zero capacity and then have to charge back to 100. So let's say you come back home and the capacity of the battery is still at 50. Uh, the, the next morning you will be back to 80 at least or even 100. So you can easily you know, do your daily commuting. And I think that's uh, uh, very important to realize that this is going to change the way we, we experience a car and drive a car because it's so convenient just to plug in a car while you're playing at home with your kids the car is charging you don't have to see another petrol station in the nighttime or whatever you know you just drive back home you plug it in you do the cooking you do whatever you you watch sports you do sports uh, and the car is charging and when you leave in the morning you unplug the car and off you go it's you know there's a completely different experience and convenience factor to that I like the way that you've explained that because I think, as you've mentioned, that is one of the things that people are 
somewhat concerned about is you hear electric vehicles and immediately I think the general public thought is, oh, but will I have the range? You know, how do I, you know, sort of top up my car? And as you said, it's as easy as coming home, plugging it in the way you would a laptop or a smartphone or a, or a tablet or anything else. Um, in terms, though, of, of that convenience, um, you know, you're not going to be obviously topping your car up with uh, petrol anymore. It's going to be electricity. What do you think the knock-on impact is going to be for things like filling stations and for that industry? Well, that's a very interesting question, Brandon, you're asking there. Um, <laughs> well, first of all, I would like to, to emphasize again, things are not going to change overnight, right? So it's it's not a revolution we are, we are having in mind here. Maybe it's a start of a long-term revolution and it's a transformation which, is, which the industry is undergoing. So we know um, it's going to be a journey and it's going to take time. So that means also that whatever are the knock-on effects on petrol stations and the like, they're not going to be uh, relevant at the very first day. However, we know that many of the petrol stations today are already aware of the transformation, which is unavoidable. And they are uh, also looking into adding to their services additional charging stations. So now if you talk about Shell or Caltex and the likes or Engine, and uh, you just consider that they might step into the business as well and setting up charging stations where they have a filling station today to prepare themselves as well for the future. Uh, that becomes a completely different scenario in terms of usage of an AV car. And range anxiety and the, these kind of things which exist at this point in time will just diminish, you know. So I think they will be prepared and they will find new businesses as well. But as I mentioned as well, we as a, as a company, uh, we, we will still produce combustion engines until 2033, until we uh, probably phase out the last ones. And still there is a car park by that point in time in any given market of a couple hundred thousand cars or million cars, depending on the market. So they still need fuel. So uh, in this context, I would say it's a very long-term journey for uh, a petrol station, for example, because you, you asked for that specifically. Um, but as I said, also, um, looking a little bit away from uh, the, the petrol stations, I think there are new players and new entrants into the market to be expected. I mentioned one is Critcars. This is currently, uh, let's say, the leading force in South Africa when it comes to setting up uh, charging stations and owning and managing charging stations and charge points. Um, I believe that, of course, going forward, we will see more uh, uh, private equity uh, uh, um, companies who are going to invest into charging services and charging infrastructure. So it's going to be uh, more competitive out there in the market as well. See, all of this is exciting to me. I, I find this sort of massive shift and change to be, you know, edge of your seat exciting because we haven't seen such big changes in an industry like this in over a century. But with these exciting changes, obviously, you know, as we've just been discussing, they come uh, knock on effects and... You know, it's not just cars or the automotive industry. It's all the other industries that support and work with this industry that are going to have to shift and adjust. And I think, you know, with that comes the question, which I've kind of posed before, uh, but the question of, okay, cool, this is great, but why then does the industry need to transform? 
You know, why are we making such big moves that's having such massive knock-on effects? And you know, why the necessity? Obviously, sustainability is one of them. And I know that Audi has committed to becoming net zero by, I believe, is it 2050? That's correct. Um, so, so why? Why does the industry need to change? Yeah, that's a fair question, Brandon. Um, that goes back to the very beginning of, you know, um, the climate change again, what's happening around us. Uh, with legislation in many major markets around the world, take take the U.S., take California, uh, where you have uh, um, you know explicit uh, legislation which uh, addresses CO2 emissions and so on. Uh, take China, for example, also a very uh, dominant market, and the European Union, of course. And those markets have decided uh, from the political level uh, downwards, so to speak, that by certain time frames we need to achieve certain co2 levels and if you think about the paris climate agreement this is a decisive element and the driving force behind that so legislations and governments have uh, responded to the to the paris climate agreement and have put in place certain legislation which in turn uh, leads to uh, a lot of pressure on the automotive industry to deliver on those co2 results and those co2 targets and as it stands, the, um, the uh, modern um, technology in, in, in engines and uh, combustion engines um, would have to be further developed such way to uh, achieve their CO2 emission standards, but it's going to be so costly and so techni- techno- technologically um, complex that it just doesn't make sense anymore. So this is where the EV car kicks in because you can only achieve the uh, CO2 emissions um, standards and the, and the targets if you go the all-electric way. So this is uh, the broader context in my mind and as per my understanding um, why the industry needs to transform. Uh, and specifically in South Africa, there's also a very important element which we should not forget about. South Africa is a production hub. And um, currently, uh, basically, uh, the production is 100% combustion engine cars. And those cars are being exported to a large extent to European markets, to uh, the UK, for example, to Australia, to Japan. But most, if not all of these markets, have already committed to reduce CO2 and to ban uh, combustion engine cars from a certain point in time onwards. And that point in time, in many cases, take UK, for example, is not so far away. So that what that means in turn is, where does South Africa as a production com- uh, country in the future and not so distant future going to export their cars to if they only have combustion engine cars to produce here in the country. So I think given the fact that the, that the, that the industry here in the market um, contributes something in the range of 6 to 7% each year to the GDP of this economy, it's quite an Im- important and significant question to ask. And I personally think the sooner also the, the government here in South Africa um, agrees to the transformation and supports that transformation and embraces that transformation with support schemes, for example, uh, the better. Because it's it's going to be a journey. And if you want to secure employment, GDP contribution and the like, you need to make that change also for South Africa. So we think that everyone has to be uh, responsible 
and we need to take our responsibility and we did not wait for the government to come up with a support program or anything like that. Actually, we did not make our decision dependent upon a support scheme whatsoever. So I think we took our responsibility and we said, okay, we're going we're gonna to take the first step. We're going to make the first move. And we think the time is quite right at the moment to do that and uh, to, to, to uh, show a clear commitment to the transformation, but also to this country and to our business and our business partners uh, as well as to our customers in this market here. And, and to touch on um, that about, you know, government, and it's, I was actually going to ask a question about that, but it, it's great to, to know and find out that, you know, you guys have decided to take this step on your own pretty much without um, any government interference or incentives or anything of that sort at all. But more on the, I want to say the fun stuff. When we're looking at, say, Q1 2022 right now, how are you as a brand planning on introducing this product to the market and ultimately educating potential clients and consumers about the e-trons? What can they look forward to? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, basically, Papi, what I would like to uh, emphasize here, first of all, is that we might be launching the car next year physically and on retail level somewhere in the first quarter of next year or early next year. But that does not mean that our activity only starts then. Uh, as you may uh, uh, recall, we have just announced our plans officially and publicly on the 5th of August with uh, a, a press statement. Uh, but our work has begun way before that and is still uh, ongoing, of course. So while we speak, we're training already our network. We're training our dealer staff members on the new technology uh, and that involves after-sales service colleagues as well as sales colleagues. And we're trying to address these misconceptions and these worries and anxieties which exist on all levels. Uh, and I, I, I would lie if I said that even the management in, in this organization sometimes has some worries and anxieties. Yeah? Uh, so we also have to address that internally in our own organization and, of course, uh, with our dealer organization. So when we will be launching next year the car, by then we will have hopefully made sure that our network uh, consisting of 10 dealers across the country uh, will be fully informed and educated about EV cars, what they can and what they can't do, what they aren't, what they aren't, uh, and what is feasible in the South African context and what is not feasible, to be very clear and transparent with our customers as well to be able to explain well the technology and so on. So what we want to do when we launch the car, actually, and uh, that refers to your question, we want to achieve a lot of excitement, of course, for the new technology, ideally speaking, because I felt exactly that when I first drove the car, and I hope you will have a, a similar experience. It's all about excitement, and it's about inspiration, which you can draw from such a new technology. And for me, it was really mind-blowing to see that and eye-opening that it has, it has nothing to do with something which you must be afraid of. Yeah, You must really embrace that new technology in a fascinating way. And I think... Uh, the future really is an attitude, and we want to make a statement in, in this regard. Yeah, uh, And we are starting the future by acting today and by launching the cars and the future mobility next year, early next year. 
talking about the future and this obviously being the future for Audi, um, what what's happening when it comes to production lines? Because I would assume that production of an EV is obviously not the same as an ICE vehicle. So would it be a case of new factories and new production lines or just retrofitting the existing ones? Uh, your question, Brandon, probably relates to the production lines, first of all, back in Europe, right? Yes, correct. Yeah, of, of course, we, uh, we are busy already in transforming various uh, plants and factories uh, in various different uh, countries into becoming uh, electric uh, fa- factories or factory for electric cars. As you may recall, we're producing cars, for example, in Brussels and Belgium uh, in a factory which is uh, focused and, and um, let's say, uh, exclusively uh, geared towards electric cars. Um, but this is a journey as well. Uh, and need to be handled over the next few years because, as as mentioned before, for quite a while we will still be producing and selling uh, also uh, petrol and diesel-powered engine cars for the next couple of years, well into 2030s in, into, uh, and that requires, let's say, a hybrid kind of uh, strategy in terms of the production hub. Okay. Um- as my final question, I have to wonder, in, in your, your personal opinion, what do you think is going to be the watershed moment or the watershed uh, piece of technology that is going to make people say, oh, definitely, absolutely, this is the way forward. I will not buy anything other than an electric vehicle. Obviously, there is inevitability with everyone shifting to EVs, but inevitability aside, what do you think is the one key thing? that is going to make people absolutely become obsessed with EVs? Ooh, that's a difficult one, Brandon. Uh, I'm, not <laughs> sure if, I'm not sure if there is a single instance, uh, but I think um, if you look at the cars right now and, uh, and soon you will have the possibility to, to drive them and to experience them and to test them in everyday driving conditions, even here in South Africa. I've had the pleasure recently to drive uh, the e-tron here uh, around Johannesburg for a few kilometers. And it was just so rewarding and so exciting uh, again to drive such a car and the, even on, on the roads here in South Africa. So I think currently it's about the performance which an EV car can deliver definitely because you've got a hundred percent of the torque, the maximum torque from standstill, so to speak onwards. So that gives you a completely different uh, experience should you want to experience it. Um, I think the fact that the, the whole package of a car with the battery sitting under the floor of the car and very low in the car gives designers completely um, new possibilities in designing and layouting a car. So it's going to be uh, design-related also in my mind. Um, and if you think of a car, a modern car nowadays, it's full of electronics it's um, we're going to launch all the cars with Connect, Audi Connect services. So the car to X services uh, are improving and the cars are becoming step-by-step uh, an interface between the digital world, your mobile devices and a typical car as we know it, as we all know it. But it's, it's kind of, you know, blurring the lines between only being only a car and being a mobile devi- devices and enjoying all the, the comfort which comes with using a mobile devices. So I think this is going to be, these are three elements in my mind at least, which are 
um, decisive for the future success of EV cars. And I think once customers come to come to experience them and come to um, how shall I say to acknowledge them, I think and value them. That's going to make a whole lot of a difference uh, to to uh, the decision of you know for an EV car. Sasha, I think that was the most perfect answer anyone could have given for a question that really just put you on the spot. And I think would have put anyone on the spot, to be fair. Um, but again, as I say, I'm very excited for the future of mobility and electric vehicles. But I think that that's where we're going to wrap it. Or we're going to speak for ages and ages and ages about the intricacies and complexities of this. Um, I've learned a lot. Is. No, but it is. It it's is. And I've learned so much. I, I'm sitting and I'm like, huh, okay. This is interesting to know. Um, but Sasha, thank you very, very much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. I know Papi does. Mm, definitely, definitely. It's been very, very in, uh, informative session, Sasha. And we thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you both of you uh, for, for giving me this opportunity and for having me. Um, I must say, um, I'm honestly embracing the future. And uh, I think you can you can hear it and you probably can sense it as well that this is authentic and this is not kind of, you know, because of or something like that. And I would like to emphasize also that so far, the whole organization within Audi, within Volkswagen Group, and we are in a, in a broader uh, Volkswagen Group company here, uh, I've never ever witnessed anything like that in my whole career with Audi before uh, over the past 25 years where all people, all levels of people, maybe here at Audi, maybe the Volkswagen colleagues, maybe the, the colleagues back in Germany, are so much behind a single strategy and embracing that strategy wholeheartedly. And that's something which gives me great confidence into the future. I would like to add probably one more comment in saying that definitely this is not a volume driven activity from Audi. Yeah, we know that it's going to start slow at the beginning uh, and uh, that it needs time to develop and evolve over, over the next years probably. But this is all about a brand statement and it's all about uh, launching a uh, e-tron brand and e-tron batch into the market. And for us, it's all about the long term and the strategy behind that. And we want to be at the forefront of, you know, um, leading that change and that transformation. And we're inviting, of course, other players into uh, this market also to do the same thing because I think it's a, it should be a collaborative uh, approach in the market. It's not one player who can change anything. I think it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's many players and many bodies who have to come together and work in the same direction. That's it. That's the episode. Thank you to our guests for joining us and thank you for listening. Join us for the next installment of Beyond Auto as we speak to other industry experts about the future of electric mobility. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share it with your friends. Beyond Auto is a joint venture of the Reframe Group and Twofold. You can contact us at info at or puppy at twofold.com.